everybody, and welcome to episode four of the Twisted Rancor Trio podcast. I am Jake. I'm Rand. And I'm Brian. And uh, hey guys, we're back recording. It's been a little while. It's been a long while. Rand, how have you been? I've been fantastic. Brian? Been pretty good. You went to North Carolina since our last podcast? Uh, yeah, I uh, saw my family. And uh, Rand, you've been doing anything fun lately? Just playing Destiny. So a little bit of X-Wing, but just playing Destiny. That's working. That's cool. I haven't been playing a lot of Destiny lately. I've been winning store championships and raising my baby and buying a car. Singular store championship. Right. Just one. Although none of none of us have won more than one store championship, unfortunately. Some of us haven't even won one. Don't we don't talk about those kinds of things. That's just mean. We're not that's I can't believe you even went there. Um <laughs> so but that that you know, I mean, who has won store championships is a good question for our street informants though, isn't it? think so i uh i heard from our street informants and one of them told me right before he got assassinated by cassian andor that you remember how in our last episode that i called the that i would win the boom comic store championship that apparently i was not in fact lying and that i did in fact win it oh it's crazy right yeah. no but uh yeah I, I did win the uh, boom comic store championship bringing home the bacon for uh for lawrence couldn't let any, anybody from Kansas City come in and win our store championship again, like Rand won our last one. I won the one in Game Cafe. Oh, that's right. Shane won it. You just got all the prizes because he had already won one at that point. Yeah. Oh, yes. Good stuff. So that happened. That was, what, uh, like two and a half weeks ago? Something like that? July 1st? July 1st was my tournament. July 8th. In, um, um, July 1st was Game Cafe. July 8th. Was so two and a half weeks ago. My dad's birthday. Cool. Um, so now the uh, the last store championship around here is going to be on August 19th at level one, and it's sold out, and I won't be going because I was a numbnuts and didn't uh, RSVP early, but Brian, you going to go ahead and win that to round everything out? Uh, no promises, but we'll see. I mean, you've basically got everything except for the plaque and the buy, the regional yeah. buy. So yeah, that's accurate. I mean, all you have to do is either you know, win it lose. or get second to somebody <laughs> who's already won one, so... We it's have not, seven playmats between the two of us. Yeah, I've sold two of mine and uh, have one. I also okay. sold, I've, I've kept all my deck, or I sold one of my deck boxes, and then I've kept uh, two, three, something like that. I don't even remember anymore. We use ours for storage. Yeah, it's a great way to store dice. But uh, some new swag coming here soon. We got Q3 tournament starting. Yeah. Street Informants also told us about that. They did. I have a question for you guys. Are yeah. you guys more excited for Altart Finn or Shield Tokens? Shield tokens. Shield tokens, 100%. Even They're though, way more usable than right. Finn, unfortunately. I mean, and maybe... And it gives you a reason to keep going in tournaments as well. Right, but just think, someday when Finn gets errated to have his point cost lowered, you'll have an outdated Finn alt art card. Whoa. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Although, honestly, my probably my thing that I'm most excited for is just getting the guard promo. Wait, have you not been to a quarter three tournament yet? No, uh, the first one around here was tonight. No, there was one down in Mission Board Games just a couple weeks ago. Like the first day that Quarter Three was available. Oh, really? Yeah. How did that go? Brian and I completely tanked. Oh. But we were we were playing some jank and ran into just the awful matchups that you don't want to see when you're playing jank. So. Right. But you guys got some guard promos. Yeah, we got quite a few guard promos already, and then we also both got Finn. Or we got Finn. Oh, I got the shield tokens. You got the shield tokens. So. Cool. Well, I think those shield tokens are really cool. Um, I don't know if they'll replace my Litco ones because the Litco shield tokens are actually like really sweet. But I gotta win all my tokens, man. Yeah, that's true. Gotta play the Iron Price. Gotta play the Iron Price. I mean, you do have the sick gold ones, though. I have the gold ones. What do you? The... What do you use? You, you don't actually use the gold ones these days, do you? Do you still, still use Covenant use or what? No, I don't use any Covenant tokens. I okay. use Covenant tokens. That's right. Well, Rand uses the secret prototype ones that he got at Destiny Weekend. Yeah, no, I, I, I still, still use my. Oh, I still right. use my world's tokens. Okay, cool. Um, awesome. So that's fun. I like swag. Swag is always good. I can't wait to see what we get for regional prizes. I bet there's going to be some good in the regional package. Well, Q4 really is where it's at because Q4 will have the three damage tokens. So then oh, nice. you can have all the all the FFG sponsor tokens. So also, um, spoilers happened. A lot of them lately. Uh, a lot. I think I think FFG learned from last time when they were like, okay, here's Red Villain, here's Red Hero, here's this, here's that. And they're just replacing it with, here's all the red stuff, here's all the yellow stuff, here's the blue stuff. So that way they get them out quicker and that way someone doesn't find them and spoil them all to the world. Right. Yeah. 
Um, it made those later articles really just whatever because we already know all the cards. Yeah. So we covered that very first article. That was the very first preview article. But since then, uh, Team Covenant had a interview. Was it with Lu Lucas? Lucas. Yeah, it was with Lucas. Yeah. And uh, oh, that's right, and Jeremy. And uh, they had some cool stuff like K2SO, which I'm sure everybody saw. If not, go look it up because K2SO looks pretty sweet. Pretty good. Um, and then we also finally had the red, the Cards. I'm sorry, the command preview. And that's probably that's pretty much what we're going to talk about today. Is because we what we wanted to do is each pick one card that has been spoiled since our most recent episode and really talk about kind of what we would like about that card and what we're excited for. Brian, why don't you go ahead and start us off with which one you're really excited for? The card I'm personally excited for is Natural Pilot. I think that even while it has a cost of four, which is pretty high in terms of, of attachments, it's, it's the most it's the most uh, four is the highest cost of one. Its die sides are all really good. You have plus two, plus three. Those are both really good sides. Two focus is really relevant. Uh, two disrupt, two shields. Plus two and plus three, those are all the range sizes are all really good. Two focus is a great size, especially when you have other characters that have focus. When you take oh, focus action, you can it's, chain focuses. It's two focus side is incredible with its ability. It has two disrupt and two shields, so both of those are really potent abilities depending on when you can roll them out. And the best part, of course, is the actual up upgrade text is after you activate this character, you may ready a vehicle. And that's going to be really good with this upcoming set. Uh, having the emphasis on vehicles so you can roll out your ATSD, then you can roll out, I don't know, your Stormtrooper that's a natural pilot, and then bam, right. ATST's ready again for later in the turn. I do think there's a couple of things about natural pilot that I think are really funny. Number one is that the two characters that have pilot in their actual name, uh, TIE pilot and rookie pilot, they only have modified range damage sides, so you actually can't well, use they're, their... They're in the vehicle. I know. Just, they gotta fly the vehicle. It's hilarious that like you get if you put a natural pilot on a pilot then you can't use any of their range damage sides because they're, you're rolling all modifiers. They're just better pilots. Yeah, that's true. I think that's funny. Brian, one thing I'm concerned about with this card is being able to pay for the ability natural pilot to put on your characters and also still have resources to pay for your vehicles. How do you think you're going to be able to balance that out? I think a good way to balance that out will be things we've already seen, which is Unker. Uh, he's a really good, especially if we get into like a super support heavy meta, it'll be unkers on unkers for days mm -hmm. where you're just like, I'm going to take your ATSD, I'm going to get six bucks, you're going to take my, you know, ATDP or, you know, other things like that, you're going to get my three bucks, my four bucks, my five bucks. Right. And that's actually a, kind of a cool card to put on Unkar himself if your opponent's not targeting Unkar first. This is true. He, yeah, he can still have fast hands. Ooh, fast hands Unkar. Yeah. Another nice enabler is friends in high places. Oh, yeah. Which we've seen recently in the KC meta, a couple guys have been running uh, Unkar Death Trooper Trooper with vehicles mm -hmm. and other uh, large supports, just trying to create these massive dice um, opportunities. And they, they were playing this before the spoilers. And I think those guys are pretty excited. And I think a lot of us are pretty excited about what this might do to the meta, um, um, having these vehicles, having these high cost things. I think it's gonna be pretty exciting. Right, and you know, and one of the crazy things is that if we start seeing vehicles being really prevalent, it makes Uncar even better with his ability which in turn makes Uncar vehicles even better, but then also makes it weak to other Uncars. I think another good thing to note about paying for these vehicles is the card that Jake's gonna talk about. Oh um, yeah. So let's just get into that and we can talk about how she's relevant for vehicles. Sure, yeah, I'll talk about uh, the old Cynia Re. I'm, I'm pretty sure you say Cynia, that's how I'm gonna say it. And if anybody else wants to see it. Yeah, but it's got or an EA, you know, I before E except after C. I don't know how that applies here. Personally, I perform it pronounce it the German way, which is the second vowel is long, so Cena. Cena. okay. Um, I think that she is exactly the partner that Ara Singh wanted, and if Senia had been out in Spirit of Rebellion, I seriously think that her with Ara Singh would have been a tier one deck. Like, she's got the disrupt side for synergy with Imperial Inspection that Ora Singh has also. She's got two resource sides so that you can make Salvage Stand proc super reliably. Um, she's got you know two range damage sides when Aura's got got uh, three range damage sides also, and just everything about Cynia and Aura just works together perfectly. You know, it gives you a red character to put red upgrades in there with Aura Sing, which is one of the things she lacks with um, any of the other options for uh, yellow elite yellow characters. Really, just no Aura plus Bala. 
yeah. which only gives you yellow. So you'd get red also. Just everything about the combination is great. You know, Imperial Inspection and Salvage Stand are already ridiculously good supports, but then you combine that with things like Fast Hands on Aura and the ability of Cynia to have two resource sides that you can Logistics out and just bait and switch, all sorts of good stuff that if it had been Spirit of Rebellion release, I'm pretty sure what I'm going to call Vim um, Fatales would have been a tier one deck without a doubt. I think another good note of her is that because she has a single die cost of eight, you can pair her with Elite Vader, and Elite Vader has access to leadership now. Right, and I mean like Vader getting both uh, price both, of failure and leadership right. in one deck. Yeah, you can price to failure her. You can use leadership, and you can put Z6 batons on Vader, which is one of the better weapons that he can it's get. It's definitely one of the better weapons. Um, you can even go as far as to, in one turn, I mean, this is this is the, the jankiest of jank, but you can leadership, activate Vader again, and then price of failure, activate Vader three times in one turn. It's crazy. And you could even like do some like best defense in there, too, to, to remove some dice right before you defeat her with your price, price of failure. failure. Like, and it still may be great when uh, Empire at War comes out. You know, she has so much, with her point cost, she can fit into so many different decks, and we're going to see more cards come out to make de different types of deck archetypes work, that, you know, she very well could be featured in tons of different competitive tier one decks. But I just think that if she had been a Spirit of Rebellion release, we would see tons of this character. I agree with that. And we would see it at top tables. So yeah, that's the one I'm super uh, geeking out about. And honestly, her ability, that's not even like the most exciting thing about her. I just think like her die combined with her ability, is, or her point cost is exactly what you want. Rand, uh, which one are you excited for the most? I'm uh, excited for the Y-Wing. Okay. A lot of people probably aren't. So tell us why. So um, I, I've always really liked Snap. But I found it difficult to make him work. Um, you know, you won't play with Commander Uprising, of course. Mm -hmm. But what I've found we're in difficulties with is keeping your opponent off of resources while also not resolving your snap die. Okay. And so um, I'm, what I'm really excited for with this new set is being able to pair snap with Ezra and then running some Y-Wings in that list. So that way you have all of these, all, a whole bunch of different abilities to remove your opponent's dollars and if you're able to Ezra away their money or they spend their money, you get a Y-Wing special out. That's just four damage as they please. Right. Normally not the greatest because it's splitting your damage. But when your focus is on planetary uprising, you know, and, you, and then you add in these Y-Wings and all of a sudden... Your opponent, yeah, your opponent can't, start, can't no, keep splitting no up damage decisions. forever. Exactly. There's no good decisions. Um, and then with um, cards like... Um, in the very first set, we had the one cost event to let you ready or exhaust a support. Strategic planning. Strategic planning. Yep. I think that'll come into play a lot with this meta, with all these vehicles coming out. Um, and then you obviously don't want to play if you don't have any supports that exhaust in your list. But I think it'll be very, it'll be, it'll, you know, we have noble sacrifice to exhaust a character, right? There's mm -hmm. not a whole lot of ways to exhaust a character. But when you have just the ability to just pay one, exhaust their ATSD. Right. You know, or ready your one, get another four damage out there. Yeah, Hero Red's going to. Get pretty good, especially if they get I'm, some good weapons. I'm, I'm a little skeptical about Hero Red because of Unkar. I think Unkar is so strong, and what he does to enable vehicle lists is so much. Right, and if Unkar Thrawn becomes really common, it could get a little rough. It can it can get pretty rough. They, that, that can pull out a lot of control and remove a lot of your options. But I think if heroes are going to make it, if heroes are going to make it the distance, I think it's with these options that the that the villains don't have. And through this hard econ denial that they're allowed to play, um, through the Y Wing, through Snap, through Ezra, um, mm -hmm. and then you can throw in, uh, you know, play a Padawan. All of a sudden, you have five dice. My you have access to don't get cocky and award ceremony, which means you're going to be able to get to those cards that you want to see. Right. My only concern with things on the hero side, even with all of this stuff going that they they're going to get and already have. Is that while they can control resources pretty well, they don't do a great job of controlling your opponent's board state as well mm -hmm. as villains do, mm -hmm. predominantly because of Imperial Inspection, but just Uncar in general, and Thrawn now being able to snipe the cards that you right. don't want to see your opponent play out of their hand. Right. It's going to be, I mean, I'm still kind of wondering if heroes are going to be on the same level. We'll see. I, I feel like a lot, uh, what, what keeps happening with all the releases, uh, we have a lot of villain decks that are very viable. 
one hero list. Yeah. And I'm hoping that heroes keep giving a list, but I think I think this meta will very much so um, help Ankar out. Ankar is going to be seen in I think eighty percent of the top lists. I don't think you're wrong either. I mean, he is so incredibly efficient at what he yeah, does. He's, I mean, they, they, he also has the ability to strong econ denial while also having really strong monetary gain himself. Right, and he makes it so your dice always have something to do, which is yeah. a really underestimated. I, I've played an Uncar mill list with Uncar Death Trooper Trooper, and I never, I only resolve like two dice a game, if that. I just use Uncar's ability. You don't even need to resolve dice. You don't need anything like that. You just need to go, oh, yep, here you go. And boom, I made three bucks, you lost a card. Right. Even if you make zero, a lot of the cards people people play at zero are good cards. You don't want your opponent to play them. So That's fair, that's fair. All right, so uh, that probably wraps it up for Street Informants, unless you guys have anything else of note that's new and exciting. I'd like to shout out Rookie Pilot for being the first seven cost uh Rebel character that isn't Ezra. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. His art is awesome, also. Um, Other so, than that, I don't have anything. Cool. So we'll go on to force training then. So today we're going to talk about uh, target selection for our force training segment. And I think this is something that kind of what we've been talking about, some of those fundamental things about Destiny that it's really crucial to have a good understanding of if you want to compete in a competitive setting. Uh, target selection is something that may not be obvious or come to mind at first, but it, if you do it correctly, you will win games, and if you do it poorly, you will lose games. That's accurate. Um, so, Rand, you and I kind of talked a little bit before this about how there's kind of two pillars for mm -hmm. target selection. Why don't you explain that a little bit? So, uh, when I when I am playing Game of Destiny, there's and I'm playing a damage deck. There are two things I want to consider. What are my opponent's strengths? What are they trying to do to win the game? And how do their characters enable that? And then what are my strengths? And do any of their characters really mess up my game plan? What I want to do? Um, so these are the two things that I look at when I'm playing so to try and figure out how who I'm going to target first. Right. So you either want to make sure that with your target selection, you are either advancing your own board state or or advance, advancing your own win condition rather, mm -hmm. and simultaneously trying to deny your opponent their win condition. Right. Now, killing any character, removing any character from the from the board is going to be a good thing, but sometimes it's a lot better um, to, to to remove one rather than the other first. It's not always the most obvious. I think a big situation like this is um, an Uncar with FN and a trooper. Mm -hmm. So elite Ankar, FN trooper. Everybody, Ooh. everybody goes for nines first. Everybody concepts. goes for nines first. But while you're going for nines first, he might be getting a riot baton, or maybe even two. And if that happens, that Ankar is making it so that you have no board state. Right. No board state at all, ever. And then you can't beat whatever those riot batons redeploy onto. Yeah, and he's just gonna be. If you can, if you can, if you can defeat nines. If you're playing a deck that is fast enough to be able to defeat nines before you can pull off a lot of nine shenanigans, before he's really able to chain out, then I think for sure go for it. If you're playing a slower deck that plays those upgrades that are going to get targeted by Imperial Inspection, that requires money to do what it needs to do, nines is going to kill you, but Uncar is going to make it so that you can't do anything by the time you kill nines. Right. So let's talk about some kind of some of the general theory. So one of the, the first things that I feel like you should look at. Um, is looking at kind of your opponent's character capabilities and you know it's really easy when you're staring down a two character deck right if your opponent brought one expensive elite character and one one non-unique or a non-elite character like if they brought obi-wan ray or if they brought luke maz which you probably won't see anymore but still um and in a lot of these cases the obvious answer is hey let's just go after the expensive elite character first and that's the one that has all the capabilities and it can advance my opponent's win condition the most. So by killing that character, my opponent can't do anything to me. So do you guys think that it is always that simple or are there some exceptions to that? What other factors do you want to consider there? I disagree with that. I think that there is not necessarily always an obvious choice. I think if you play Vader Guard, I think most people instinctually go, hey, I'm going to kill Vader. Uh, because the guard has guardians, so you're like, ah, he's going to die anyway. 
but regardless, they can they can have the, they have the option to run price to failure, and on the turn where you get price to failure, it's not going to feel good. Right. It doesn't matter if Vader only has one health left. If you have no dice and, and he sacrifices that uh, royal guard to ready Vader and then kill your and then defeat your entire team, you know, there's nothing you can do about that. You know, I can I kind of just think of one example at the top of my head against you, Brian, and that is. About a month ago, you and I were playing in a casual tournament at the Geekery, and I was playing Vader Raider. You were playing Vader Guard, and I went for Vader first. But with Guardian and such, you got your guard up to seven damage on him, only had one health left, and then you price a failure to him with only one health left. So you ate all of that damage, and then you just defeated him anyway to reactivate Vader, basically making Which it turned so the tide completely. I really had no chance in that game. On the flip side, in the Boom Comics Tour Championship, both of our games in the finals that we played against each other, I went for the Royal Guard on turn one hard. And had you not had the price of failure in your opening hand in both of those games, I would have killed the Royal Guard without you ever getting a chance to play that card. Correct. And because of the lessons I had learned previously, I was able to realize that, hey, this guard is going to die anyway, but what I need to make sure I do is understanding what my opponent's deck is capable of and understanding what some of his win conditions are. I'm going to try and deny that to him by my target prioritization. One of the other games, actually, you 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 encountered this more recent at the Game Cafe Store Champ uh, against Gavin. He was playing... He's playing what he calls kicking and screaming. Uh, it's Elite Maz, Padme, and Snap. Which and, is a kind of a rebel mill deck, but it's also a little mm, bit choky at the same time. Yeah, it's it's very much so a choke list, but it, it tries to mill you out um, as fast as possible using cards like Commando Raid and Con Artist um, to just get cards out of your deck. And then Gavin had gotten second at Sword Champ after Rand beat him. I believe Gavin commented that the reason why Rand had won was because Rand went after Padme first, where other characters they did or other players, sorry, they didn't. And this is something I've seen across. I've seen this list pop up multiple times. And every time I see somebody else play it, they try and kill Maz first. And I 100% think that you should... Not 100%, sorry. So uh, I, I think most of the time, you want to be removing Padme from the board first. Unless your strategy strongly relies on you claiming the battlefield, then Snap's a big issue. But Padme is their win condition. Maz helps them, um, you know, Maz helps them resolve dice, helps them resolve dice quickly. Padme is the die you want to resolve. Um, and so if you can remove her from the board before they get out their second chance, before she can, you know, she only has the one die. Um, so so she's not going to use her special too, too often, but if you let her stick around, she is going to rip through your deck, and she's going to be sitting there in the end game with a second chance and a lone operative, and there's going to be nothing you can do to kill her because you have no options left. You can't discard to reroll because then you're, you lose the game. Right. And you have nothing left. Whereas Maz is a lot easier to kill once she gets a second chance out. Because then she, you know, obviously you still still only heal five, but um, it just feels a lot easier to do that. So let, let's talk about kind of how that ties into the idea of kind of making your target selection choices based on what the board state is. Because this will play in both into denying your opponent and to advancing your own win conditions. Mm -hmm. um, so based on the board state you see, and so this will, in situations where things aren't obvious, where if your opponent's playing a three character deck that has kind of three pretty equal characters, if your opponent has you know four generics, what have you, um, what you see on the table can give you a really good clue about who you should go for first, right? Because mm -hmm. we can look at you know what upgrades have been played, what the battlefield is that is um, that is chosen, you know, what kind of things we're looking at there. So, I guess where I'm coming from there is, if all other things are equal, go for the character that has upgrades on them instead of the character that doesn't have upgrades on them. And I think this is probably the most basic thing that you can say about target priority yeah. that everybody will pretty much understand. But then, the right, when we start getting into some more advanced things, like, all right, so let's say that my opponent has something like two Stormtroopers and two Guavian Enforcers, and they start putting upgrades onto their Stormtroopers, but the Guavian Enforcers are the more valuable character. Who do we start going for then? I would go for the Guavians in this case, because endless ranks. Right, and so kind of, I guess, what I'm really getting at here is my experience tells me that you're right, but I think that the only way to really learn how to make these correct decisions is just play more games. 
I think something else to note is what kinds of upgrades they're playing on the Stormtroopers or, or the Guabins, just for the example. If they're playing Hold Up Blasters and F11Ds on, it doesn't really matter what character, if they're playing on either character, both those weapons have redeploy. And so in the long run, it might not necessarily matter who you're trying to go. Right. Yeah, going for redeploy characters can sometimes even be counterproductive, allowing them to potentially get use of that weapon twice in a round. So if you've already started, like, hey, I'm already working on the Stormtrooper, and the Stormtrooper has, you know, I shot it for two, and then, like, oh, man, they put a, they put a Hold Up Blaster on the Guavian. Don't switch to the Guavian. It's it's going to do the hold up blasters there to stay for the game. You right. might as well take, take the last five damage and hit that stormtrooper. So yeah, I think you know just play more games. You know, play against a lot of different things. And then it's important when you're playing games if you, when you lose. And this it took me a while to learn this. I played a lot of Magic. I played a lot of Netrunner. And now I'm playing Destiny. It's really important when you lose a game. Don't go, oh you know the dice rolled poorly. Oh, I didn't draw the card. I draw the drew. I didn't draw the card I needed. Look at what choices you made, what choices your opponent made, and maybe was there something you could have done better. Mm -hmm. That's how you get better. Is thinking about even in these limited situations where you didn't draw the right cards, where maybe the dice were pretty poor for you. What decisions could you have made that would have increased your chances of winning? And when I when I started doing that, when I learned that lesson, that that's how I need to approach these losses my win rate started going up. I felt like a lot much better player and people started to see me as a better player because I was that's how you improve. If you're if you're always blaming external factors, you're not gonna get better at a game. You're not gonna learn who to target select because it wasn't your fault. It you was know, your dice. It's very important to think about why you lost in a way that is it is your own fault, not external factors. Um yeah, that makes that's a really good point. Um, as far as advancing your own win condition goes, mm -hmm. um, how does, you know, when we talk about how your target priority will affect advancing your own win condition, at first it kind of seems like those really don't go the same or go together because honestly, from a very basic view, anytime you're killing any characters, if you're playing a kill deck, then you are advancing your own win condition technically. Mm -hmm. However, I would say that not all actions will advance to your win condition at the same rate. Some things will do it more efficiently. So the example that we talked about earlier was Han Rey. We mm -hmm. talked about this before the show. That if you were playing against Han Rey, you kind of need to sit there and be like, all right, who do I want to go for here? Because they're both characters that play an important role in this deck. Rey provides the action cheating, whereas Han will make up the bulk of the damage. However, I would say, and this is something that, again, we talked about earlier, that if you are playing a deck, knowing your own deck and knowing what you are trying to do is important because your deck is more than just how you win. Your deck is what cards you have in it and who your characters are. So if you're playing a deck that is a lot more controlly, if you kill Ray first and you know that you can pretty reliably control Han's dice, then there's absolutely no reason you should go for Han first because it's going to be going counter to how your deck is built. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you are building a deck that is all aggro and just wants to burn your opponent down as fast as possible, and you know that you're probably not going to be able to control Han's dice very well anyway, well, kill Han as fast as you can before he gets second chance on him, and who cares if Ray's going to get that action cheating off even after Han dies, because she's going to get it off anyway. Yeah, a lot of complaints I heard uh, during Awakenings meta was for Han Ray when I told people, hey, you should probably kill Han first. A lot of people were like, yeah, but if I start trying to kill Han first, he's going to get a second chance on him, and then all that work was wasted. Well, I mean, that's that's a cute thought to start with, but then when you dig into the meat and bones of the actual game, you're going to have to deal with Han in second chance sooner or later. If you can't deal with him now, well, right. how's he's that going to yeah. go for you later? He's not going to get any easier to kill if you kill Ray first. If anything, your opponent's just going to have more time to draw multiple second chances. You'll have multiple second chances or second chance and two deal 44s and it just starts to get really out of hand. Right. So that's kind of, I guess, all my thoughts on target priority. What do you guys, you guys have anything else on it? Uh, uh, one thing, one specific deck we haven't talked about that uh, as, is pretty popular in the KC meta is uh, the Emo Boys. Um, elite uh, Vader, Young Apprentice, and then Sith Apprentice, and then Elite Kylo. Dark Apprentice. Dark Apprentice. He's neither Sith nor Young. He's dark. Okay. So, so but he is a baby. He is, he is a baby. He is baby Vader. Baby Vader. 
So uh, with this list, the way I've seen it played to success is put all the upgrades on Kylo, let Vader's four damage sides, two, three sides be a threat on their own. Right. Because then you're put in that hard situation. You know, it. They didn't. They split up their. They've split up their deck and their characters. So where their deck is saying, "Hey, you need to take out Kylo because he has all. He has you know a force throw or a force lightning. He has these powerful upgrades on him." And the characters are saying, "Kylo's dice are terrible. Why in the world would you kill him first? Kill this Vader. He's going to do a lot of damage." Um, and for me, what in games I've played, I've almost always killed Vader first. You, and the exception being when um, I'm playing a slower deck and turn one, they go holocron into whatever awesome force upgrade, like Mind Probe, turn one on Kylo, maybe I've resolved a damage on Vader, that Kylo is now scarier than Vader. Right. Especially if I'm playing cards with higher costs in my hand, which leans it towards killing Kylo first. You know, if you're playing an expensive deck, Kylo gets kind of scary. If he gets that Mind Probe out, or he gets a Force Lightning out, I've seen people play Force Lightning, he's doing more damage than Vader, and Vader is damaging himself to deal you damage. So you kind of got to understand kind of what the average amount of damage that you can expect over the course of however many turns you feel like the game is going to go mm -hmm. if you go for one character first over the other. Obviously, Vader has the higher upfront number without any upgrades on him, seeing as how Kylo is limited to two sides that have damage on them, one of them plus the special, one. right, and then he's got the special, which is very, very variable. But then you, on the other hand, you've got Vader, who has four damage sides, yep. and two of those are three damage sides, and he can no mercy three of those sides. Yep. So, so for me, it's, it's Vader has the upfront early game damage. You want to remove him in the early game, unless they use Holocron to accelerate their um, upgrade um, advantage very quickly in the early game. Then it becomes really difficult. And I think that's where Vader Kylo just goes, ha-ha, I've won this game. Right. They, are, they don't always win, but that's when they get really strong. I think that is one of the strengths of that deck is that it does put those really hard questions on your opponent. Mm -hmm. And it ultimately your opponent ne doesn't necessarily have a right answer. Sometimes the only way you can determine whether you made the right call or not is how the game ended up going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In hindsight, it's the only way you can judge it, which sucks, but yeah. that's one of the things that makes this game great. Yeah, most definitely. So. All right, well then let's move on to our Imperial Inspection. Um, the, uh, the Imperial Inspection team from our local spaceport was uh, going through some, some contraband, and they found a, a deck amongst these contraband items. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a deck I haven't heard in a long, long time. And it was a youngling. Yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about today on Imperial Inspection is younglings. Partially because Rand won the uh, Game Cafe Store Championship with it, like a boss. Because remember uh, that one time on this podcast when Rand said that he does not play hero decks that do damage? I remember that. Right. And then he proceeded to then win a with store a championship where the hero deck does damage. I remember that. Right. I thought that was pretty funny. Pepper Farmer remembers that. <laughs> Rand, I'm having a really hard time with Mill, guys. Rand, Rand <laughs> I just want to let you know that I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I did, however, I mentioned earlier that Uncar Death Trooper Trooper, I made it a Mill list. Right. I played that in some local tournaments, some Monday night tournaments, and I have done well with it. But did it win a store champ? I haven't played a store champ since I made it, so and I'm not playing at the at the uh, one in KC. So why not? You've already won one. It doesn't matter what you play. I didn't get a ticket because I want to park in downtown KC. Oh, uh, okay. So you too are also a scrub who did not RSVP earlier. I'm not a scrub. I made the active decision not to. Oh, okay. Sure. Scrub. So let's talk about Younglings. Okay. Um, so, Younglings, it has not been very prevalent lately. Um, what happened with Spirit of Rebellion that, I'm not going to say killed Younglings because it's still doing well. But why do we not see it anymore? If you go on to swdestinydb.com and try and find a Younglings deck that was made since Spirit of Rebellion released, you won't find one that has like any popularity at all. Why is that? I think a large part of that was early on. Yeah, but we just had the errata for to, to fast camp, which really nerf, which really hurt Pomaz. And I think Pomaz was it is very strong against Younglings. 
Primarily, I think it's because of thermal detonator and U-wings. Thermal U -wings. detonators and U-wings and just being able to... Because you, Padawans have low health, you know, and there's not a ton of defense in that list. And you and then, and then your control is being negated by the fact that they're using fast hands and Maz's ability to make it so that you can never control the dice. Right. Since the errata, it's gotten to be a much closer game where if they don't see that thermal, I feel pretty confident. I played Brian um, at the... At a tournament recently, where he was playing um, at the at the mission board games uh, store champ, where he was playing Pomaz. Game Cafe. Oh, Game Cafe store champ. He was playing Pomaz. There's this just quality right There are so many game stores in the area. Sometimes I know. I love it. Straight. I love it. I absolutely. Kansas love it. City really is a mecca for gaming. If you're ever in the Midwest, ever here on business or anything, seriously, we have every ten miles. I mean, yeah. Store. There's just at least. Eight game stores in the Mocan area that are all great. Yeah. It's crazy. There's a lot. Um, but anyways, so what happened in this game between Brian's Pomaz and your young one? So Brian didn't see any thermals. I saw the damage I needed, and it was a very fast game, as Pomaz games tend to be. Mm -hmm. um, turn one, I got Vibro Knife and Ray's Staff, and then I just kept rolling damage. So also the cautions help. And caution. Yeah, I play two of caution. Well, also guys. the fact that Brian can't roll dice for when he is playing in store championships also probably yeah, helps you out a lot. Especially with Pomaz, yeah. I'm pretty sure Ray is upset with Brian because Brian was a top tier, is a top tier Han Ray player. I think Ray is upset with Brian that think, he abandoned her so quickly. Brian, I think if you played Poe Ray, that they would be so happy with you both of them that they would do really well for you. Yeah, I think uh, I think Poe doesn't like Maz. I mean, I need to rewatch um, uh, Force Awakens, right? And see how that interaction goes. Because I'm pretty sure Poe meets Maz. I, no, I don't think he no, does, but he does it. like shoot up her castle. He essentially a whole shoots bunch. Her castle. Like yeah. you, you could blame it on the first order. I mean, yeah. Granted, the first order had kind of demolished it so. anyways, but I mean, it was a pirate haven. Like the first order was doing the galaxy a favor. Anyway, right. as as the successor to the empire, the good guys, right? Then yeah, it's incumbent upon them to restore justice and order to the galaxy. But that's uh, pretty getting off topic. Um, so <laughs> with Spirit of Rebellion, um, do we feel let's let's not talk about uh, its place in the meta for the second okay. time being. Let's just talk about the deck itself. Do we feel that? We, I mean, obviously, I mean, just elephant in the room. Viber knife is amazing. Viber knife is amazing. So clearly, you know, Viber knife is just one of the best things ever to happen to this deck. But how much better did Spirit of Rebellion make uh, younglings beyond just the amazing inclusion of Viber knife? So uh, Brian actually played uh, younglings pre Spirit of Rebellion. So I'm gonna let him talk about this. That way, he can give us that compare and contrast. Okay. So when I played Younglings and Awakenings, I used uh, a build much to the extent that Rand has his build, where it's a lot of cheap upgrades, most of them being weapons. I just want to put things on the on the Padawans and push out damage. The the benefits of Spirit have been its upgrades and its events that it brings to the table that let Younglings do what it wants to do without it being tampered with too much by its, its opponent. So beyond caution, what are some of the events that have really helped it out? Well, you know, in these core three kits, we got this new promo, you know, and it's pretty awesome. It's guard. Oh, guard is a pretty sweet card for that. Guard card. is a pretty awesome card. And um, and that is, I find it being really effective. You know, in games, I can roll in right first, and she has that plus two side, which a lot of times your opponent's not going to control the plus two side. Right, if it's not sitting out yeah. there with another black they might, side. They'll, they'll control the Padawan's die. They'll control other sides. But Ray's plus two doesn't get controlled. And okay. so, and then you're sitting there and you got this free card in your hand. You're just like, oh. Yeah. The zero cost control is awesome. You rolled something, I'm going to remove it. Do you feel like the uh, increase in the number of melee decks has made Force Direction more valuable? Do you play I, two of it that, these days? I play two of Force Misdirection and it is amazing. It's why I play... It's why I started playing um, Ray Padawan Padawan, actually. I was helping out a guy, uh, he was brand new to Destiny, and he bought he bought some packs and he bought some starter kits, and he was playing um, Ray, Cheroot, and a Acolyte. Okay. I think that was what it was. And he had Force Misdirection. 
and we went up against Brian's Vader. I, I was helping him, I was teaching him how to play, and we played against uh, Brian's Vader guard list. And those turns where he got a force misdirection to remove like both the Vader's dice and Makashi training, and you're just like, there's there's eight damage you don't get to do. Right. I was like, that's that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able to do that. So I made this list. Okay. Um, and then also um, Makashi training. Right. It's a great card. It's a great card. It's you've got so many, so many base black melee damage sides. It's not a weapon, which is important. So you don't get the discount on it. But it, what it, And I don't play it in too many games. But when I do play it, it's against the Vaders. Mm -hmm. It's against the other melee lists where I need to be, I can say, I need to remove, I, I'll remove my one damage to remove your three damage. Oh, absolutely. All day. And it comes in so great. You can be offensive and defensive. So... Then let's talk about is there any is there any cards out there in particular? Not necessarily getting into a whole lot of meta stuff yet, mm -hmm. but are there any cards that we saw that got introduced in Spirit of Rebellion that are really rough on younglings? Introduced in Spirit of Rebellion, right. I mean, there's there's the Maz plus the Poe. I think uh, I did not play younglings when Poe Maz was rampant. I didn't think I and, and I still don't like seeing Poe. I I played in a tournament. Um, just this, uh, just this uh, last weekend, where I lost to Pomaz in round one um, because he saw his thermals, he saw his Ewing, and boom, my list was just gone. Padawans do not have a lot of health. So, what do you think about Imperial Inspection against younglings? Do you feel like Imperial Inspection really hurts you? Do you feel like since you have the discount that it's not so bad? What do you What are your thoughts? So, when I'm running against Imperial Inspection list, so um, generally people will kill a People, good players will kill the Padawans first. Um, and so, because they're like, you're going to, those are the good dice, you're going to put more dice on it, and then it's going to be an issue for me. But um, when I'm playing against Imperial Inspection, I put my upgrades on Ray. Okay. So I'll go ahead and I'll pay, unless I'm, unless I'm just flooded with upgrades, I'll pay that too to be able to get the action cheating in. And if you return to my hand, I'll just do it again next turn. Um, and so you have that hard option. Anytime... You know, I'll play out my Viber Knives and my Holdout Blasters, and anytime you return them to my hand, well, they might be coming right back at you. Or I'll I'll put them all on one Padawan, mm -hmm. and then I'll roll on that Padawan first, and I'll just go ahead and resolve that damage, those dice. And if you Imperial Inspection them to my hand, I'll play them out on the other Padawan. Or I'll play them out on Ray, and I'll get those action shootings. And so I feel like with Ray's ability, um, and then the Padawan's discounts, you can, and the fact that you have three characters, you can get around a lot of Imperial Inspection. Um, obviously, it's, it's still going to hurt you sometimes. Your opponent still has to draw it. But I feel like as a deck that runs almost completely two costs or less upgrades, it has the best answers to Imperial Inspection. Okay. I got you. All right. So let's, let's talk about the deck list. So you want to talk about the deck that you won the... Game Cafe Store Championship with. Um, yeah. That kind of gives us a good example of what Young Nings is all about these days. Yeah, most definitely. I play uh, 14 upgrades and 16 events. No supports, so, no BB-8s? No BB-8s. You know, um, I was inspired. Uh, the very first person I saw playing Young Nings was Eric Wainwright down in Tulsa. He's been playing Young Nings since, as far as I know, since the beginning of the game, and he does a great job. Right. And we he, played against each other in Destiny Day. And he won that event, He won he? that. I was playing Palpatine. He beat my Palpatine, and then he went on to beat Luke Ray. With a with a um, with a list that he had just thrown together the morning of the tournament because he didn't even have any spirit cards yet. Mm. He just borrowed some. He was like, "Hey, I heard this vibe knife is really good. Can I can I borrow some from you?" From to one of his friends. That's and, awesome. And just and just rocked, just rocked it. So um, his list is quite a bit different than mine. Um, I went for uh, low cost efficiency, um, so that way I can always have options open. Okay. So I play two Force Illusions. Um, Which is, I mean, that's a great card. It's a great card. If your opponent isn't playing Viber Knife, just being able to keep a Padawan alive a little bit longer, or keep Ray, just keep anyone alive for three damage longer generally. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Uh, two of Force Speed. Okay. Once again, just amazing efficiency. You get that extra. So if you, if you play a, a Holdout or a Viber Knife on Ray and you have a Force Speed on her, then you can roll in Ray, take two additional actions, roll in your Padawan. And then resolve all that damage. Right. Um, Holdout Blaster for this is strictly for the action cheating. I almost never leave it on the board. Um, a lot of times I will play Holdout Blaster and then immediately override it with something else and then roll in Ray. 
because I don't want that holdout blaster on the board. It does very little for my list. Right, so holdout blaster into a ray staff and then roll away. Exactly. Lightsaber, uh, it's my only three cost attachment. Do you play two of those? I play two of them. Okay. Um, so it's my only thing that costs more than two in this list. I do not play one with the force. Okay. Uh, pre or rod, I didn't play one with the force either. So the lightsaber allows you to have redeploy in your list. And also, um, just another black three-for-one special, which uh, shares with Ray's staff, and the ability to unblock with damage with that special. Um, but really, it's there for the redeploy. Mm -hmm. If you're going after a Padawan who has a viral knife on them or a Ray's staff, overriding it with a lightsaber and then saying, if you go ahead and kill us Padawan, this lightsaber is going to redeploy to somebody else, and I'll still be able to, right. you know. Whoop, there's Ray with, and now she's got a lightsaber to go with her action cheating. Have yeah. fun. Yep. Um, and then Makashi training, we talked about that a little bit earlier. It has that both the offensive uh, factors of having three damage sides as well as the defensive factor against other melee lists, mm -hmm. where Makashi training's uh, text is you can um, action, remove one of your dice showing melee damage, and exhaust this upgrade to remove a die showing melee damage. This does not need to be the Makashi train die. This does not even need to be a character a dice on that character. So... Um, I find that it, I don't play it super often, but when I do, it does a lot of work. Right. Uh, two of Ray's staff. It's self-explanatory. Self-explanatory. It well, is. Three damage sides, hard to beat. Yeah, three damage sides, all black. A one, a one, and a three for one. It's special removes a damage die, mm -hmm. which I have used to great effect when it does roll. You know, when you're playing as Palpatine, you're yeah, like. It can, it can be a great deterrent. If you can get a uh, Ray's staff special just sitting on the board, it can be mm -hmm. a great deterrent for your opponent doing things like re-rolling, you know, yep. discarding your re-roll and things like that. Yep. If I roll out a Ray's staff special against the damage deck, I do not re-roll that. I don't try and go for that three for one. I want that staff staff special because that's going to offer me a whole lot more. And then the last upgrade is Viral Life. Which, obvious, one Ambush, of the best cards in the game. unblockable damage. I think it also has three damage sides. It also has three damage sides. Right. It's just absolutely amazing. Um, so what do you have for events besides Caution? So first is Caution. Uh, if you don't know, because I haven't seen a lot of people play Caution, Caution allows you to remove one of your character's dice to give another character three shields. Right. So I can remove Ray's terrible dice to give the Padawan that you're targeting three shields. Which, That's how I most often use it. You know, and especially... If you're playing against a Pomaz deck, this is going to be one of your only answers to Thermal Detonators. Yes, it is. Uh, that and, um, actually, I cut the defensive stance. So, yeah, it's just caution. Right. Um, then I play two close quarters assault. Okay. So I find this works really well um, in a couple situations. One, where I'm just action chaining. And if I have, you know, if I'm action chaining, I have four melee damage side showing, and it's not going to kill your characters. But you have four cards in hand, boom, gone. Right. Because close quarters assault removes card, makes you discard cards even with the number of melee sides I am showing. Not the value, but the number of symbols. So one of the things that's really cool about that is that when you can wipe an opponent's hand, you know, you do double duty, is that you make it so that they can't discard to reroll, which gives you some defense. Mm -hmm. And then you also get to get rid of any of the cool events that they were saving. So you yep. can get rid of their control. You can get rid of things like their four strikes or their bait and switches or whatever they have the that they were against. saving to right do bad stuff to you. Um, and in just general, it's just a. I mean, you also prevent them from rerolling. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the, the first point. Yeah, clearing an opponent's hand. I mean, if if you can clear their hand, close quarter assault. There's mm -hmm. very little reason why you shouldn't play it. And you know what? At the end of the day, if there's not ever a situation in which close quarter assault can get you the result you want. You can just use it to discard into those melee or discard a reroll into those melee sides that you need to kill the character, which is mm -hmm. the best control. And then um, sometimes my opponents will just be saying they're passing. I haven't rolled in a Padawan like with a with like a Padawan with like a Ray Staff or a Vibrant Knife in yet. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why are they passing? They have control in hand. Well, I'm showing two melee sides and they have three cards in hand. I'm gonna go ahead and play this close quarters assault because they are they are telegraphing to me that they have control in hand. I want to get that chance of hitting before rolling the character. Um, and a lot of times that can be pretty effective. Right. Uh, next is Deflect. Which, uh, I mean, there's not as much brain damage as there used to be. But Palpatine, in particular, um, I feel like Deflect is just so amazing against him. Mm -hmm. uh, emo Boys, they have, uh, Vader has the one range side. So being able to deflect that so he can't re-roll it into more. Right, and rocket launches part. are pretty popular out yep. there today. And then, yeah, if you're playing if you're playing Uncar FN and you actually roll in a rocket launcher, boom, it's gone. 
Um, then we have two flank, playing a three character list, being able to- It's an auto include. Anytime you're playing a three character deck, here's a pro tip. If you are playing a three character deck or more than three characters, you should play flank. I don't think that there is, um, there's not about I don't think there is the a argument about playing two flanks in a three character the, deck. The, ex the exception, the, the only card that is better than flank in terms of cost, unrestricted die removal is the best defense. Right. That's that's the that's the, the card that is better than. But just you know, one quarter portion. Right. So that so refute this statement if you can. If you are playing a three character deck, you must play like you flank is an absolute auto include. I don't think there's any refutation to that. Uh, not unless they print some characters that are meant to die. <laughs> that's that, that, that's not only. That's fair. All right. Uh, then force misdirection. We talked about this earlier. Force misdirection allows you. It says choose. It's cost one. It's a blue event. Yeah, it's been around since Awakening, so yeah. most people should be pretty familiar I with it. Don't Although, well, I think people know what it does, but they don't expect it. So when they're showing their four blanks on their cool dice, and their opponent has one random blank sitting on a ray dice. They don't expect to have all of their blanks removed by a force yes. misdirection. Blank is a symbol. This right. is important. They don't expect to have a pair of Java dice and a black and a blackmail dice removed by raise one discard yeah. side. You know, it is one of those cards that will come out of left field on you. And if you don't understand what can happen based on what your opponent is showing on their dice and that that card then you will get into situations where your opponent will just have a massive turn on you by using that card. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love it. It's, it's definitely one of the reasons. Guard, remove one of your melee sides. Right. Which, I mean... Dice of your opponent's equal to the value of that melee side. Anytime you have zero cost control cards, it's great. Yeah. Sure, having to roll a character and can sometimes be a bit rough, but when you're living in a world where Ray can action cheat those mm -hmm. dice into the pool, then that becomes a lot less yeah, I feel like I find that Ray really helps in being able to play those uh, spot your own dice or remove your own dice uh, control cards. Mm -hmm. uh, overconfidence. As one cost, you make your opponent re-roll two dice or just re-roll two dice and remove the lowest value one. Most, almost all the time, I'm making, making my opponent re-roll two of their dice right. and I use it for when they re-roll, if they roll well uh, on two dice. You're guaranteeing to remove a dice. Guaranteeing. Which is... Inherently cool for you know one cost for one removal. Um, yeah. You know there aren't a lot of cards out there that are just you know remove a die for one cost. Yeah, it's, you know? it's pretty much just most of them one quarter portion. Right, most of them have are very restricted. But in terms of overconfidence, yeah, you may not control which one of those dice get removed, but if both of them are equally bad, that overconfidence says it will never get any worse for you. Yes. You will you will remove one dice and it will not get any worse from you if you play it at the right time. Yep. And then you can get greedy and re-roll your opponent's die and your own die. But unless you're playing like Palpatine, I don't really suggest doing this. Right. Uh, then uh, we got one last card, use the force. And that I mean, we're seeing a resurgence of use the force in blue. Mm -hmm. Because the we're we're maybe seeing a bit less control. Um, when you get into situations where your opponent is just holding onto that last control card, waiting for you to use the force in something cool, and then they remove it, it sucks. Mm -hmm. You know, you invested a card, you invested a resource, and you invested a die into setting up this great play, and then your opponent just says, nope, let's get that out of here. But if people aren't playing as much control, or if you can, say, wipe their hand out with close quarters assault, then use the force is absolutely incredible. And what I've found is I have so much dice in a lot of games that my opponent uses their isolations, their all their one-shot removals, because there's not a whole bunch of multiple removal spell, removal, you know, events. Right. Um, they'll use all their one-shots, and then I can use the Force to turn race staff to a three-for-one, and then bop. And you can also use the Force defensively. You know, mm -hmm. you can turn an opponent's cool dice into a blank, and then they can't do whatever they were going to do with it. Yep, most definitely. So that is the list. That's It's all two ofs. I don't, I'm not a massive fan of one ofs. We're still in a pretty limited um, selection of cards. Right. I think with the next set, one of them are going to start playing, becoming even more popular. I'm of, I'm of the opinion that one of them are more of like a tech call. Like, for instance, I tech in one-time sabotage into my fun card deck. Mm -hmm. But, you know, blue hero maybe doesn't have as much going on in terms of the tech type stuff. You know, if they got like a support removal card, then that might be like a one-of inclusion. But yeah, just you know, hero, hero blue just doesn't really have it.
Nope. I think I think specifically what's unique to this game because it has thirty card decks. I think that you're going to find less decks that have one of as opposed to like Netrunner Magic that allow for sixty card decks or forty five card decks where you're like, okay, well I can include two of this and I'll still probably see it. Right. Whereas since you're dealing with such a small deck that you're going to want to make sure that you see what cards you're putting in. Yeah, you don't want to put in that tech card and have it be useless. Right. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's talk about, you know, pretty quickly, as quickly as we can, because it's a pretty big subject, but we've already talked about younglings a lot already, so we should have a pretty good understanding, but kind of some of the strengths and weaknesses of younglings. So, Rand, what would you say are some of the bit's biggest strengths? I'm going to I'm gonna let Brian answer this. I feel like I just talked a whole bunch, and he was patiently waiting over there. Um, and he has played the deck. He played it. He's played. He plays it. He's my playtest buddy. Okay. He's played against it a lot. He's played it a lot. I, w- I want to hear what he thinks. All right. I think the strengths of the deck are. It can be hard to pin down one character to deal, to kill, to kill, to specifically to get rid of this character. It can be hard because you can always shift with. And this is any three character deck. You can shift where you put your upgrades. You can move them to the character that's not being killed, and then you're always having dice and pool. Mm-hmm. I think a. Another strength, also uh, more unique to this deck than other three character decks, is that when all three of its characters roll in, you have a lot. You have an actual lot of dice and pool. There's not a good answer to having you know eight, nine dice and pool. If you have that many dice and pool, you look at that and you go, "That's a lot of dice." There's not. There's not a whole lot right, of yeah, you good control you cards. You can't control that unless you play one of a very, very few cards that don't often see very much play. And even if you do play them, sometimes they don't hit because, like, if I'm playing block and dodge, less purely dependent on what what my opponent's playing. Mm-hmm. If you're playing mind trick, you only get rid of half of those dice. And even still, if they roll, you know, let's say they they pick a discard and they're like, "Oh man, they rolled a total of ten damage between you know eight dice." Well, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take some damage this turn. Right. You know, sometimes when you have decks that get a lot of dice like this, if you roll poorly initially and then reroll a whole bunch at once, that can actually do a, go a long ways towards making you pretty hard to control because you can generate all those results in one go. Sometimes, um, if I know I'm playing a heavy control matchup, um, I'll I'll have hold up blaster. I'll roll in a pattern. It doesn't roll so well. If it rolls well, I'll play the I'll play the hold up blaster. Roll in ray, pops some damage. Doesn't roll so well. Okay. Roll in the other pad one. Still not that great. Roll in right now. Play holdout blaster, discard to re-roll, resolve that damage I just re-rolled. Right. You don't get to control. You can control my not so great dice I rolled in, but you're not gonna, most likely. You're gonna you want you wanna save it for the black damage that gets rolled. You wanna save it for the actual physical roll. But okay. surprise, okay. holdout blaster. <laughs> yeah. Brian has taught me a lot about playing right. Okay. So besides from the fun action cheating and the overwhelming number of dice that you could potentially generate on your opponent. Do you guys feel that the, as far as the hero side in particular goes, do you guys feel that there's anything on the hero side that makes this really a a great deck in comparison to Emo Teemo, the old Kylo and Dark Apprentice Darth Vader? Um, because that deck is one that can put out a lot of damage. It can get a lot of dice out, but it's more so you know high quality dice than it is quantity. Um, what is it about, we're talking about the strengths of Blue Hero, what is it about them that is strong? So just last night we played, we had a tournament at Geek Group, we have weekly tournaments there, um, and I played against two Emo Teemos with my, with my Ray Padawan Padawan, and I won the tournament. Um, and though, and one of them was Shane. You know, I don't know if you guys have heard us talk about Shane before, he's won two of the Sword Chains here in KC. He's a fantastic player, and he's been playing Emo Teemo for a long time. And I think the, really why one of those games is ability to control Vader's dice while not sacrificing my ability to deal damage. Okay. Um, so and I, I have guard, which does sac- which does stop me from doing damage, but um, I have force misdirection. You know, one turn he rolled in Kylo, and he rolled in Vader, got like his um, two damage and like a blank. Then he rolled in Kylo with a Makashi on him or a Viber Knife on him. All melee damage, force misdirection. And he was like, Man, "Oh my gosh, that's brutal." You know, it just it happens. I think I think really it is force misdirection and guard out of hero that give hero melee a strong, a strong, make it stronger versus those villain melee lists. Right, your Vader guards and your yeah, imagine, especially you know, the mono blue ones. They get feel your anger. You have force misdirection. Uh, force misdirection is if your opponent rolls really well and you and you have feel your anger in your hands. Well, that stinks for you. 
if your opponent rolls a whole bunch of melee damage and you're able to force misdirection it, that's a one cost block. Right. Yeah. You know? So one thing, one thing, maybe two things because of guard, but one thing that heroes finally be better than villains. Yep, and then also action cheating. Right. With raise ability. Um, I feel like that's that's really the important thing. Being able to get around your control, um, being able to have control of my own that rivals your control, um, and then just having the answers and having um, my my characters spread out so much. And I, I think uh, Ray Power Pad One, unless you're calling against two set holograms in turn one, Ray Power One Pad One's gonna be able to push out more dice. Okay. Um, what do you guys think that this deck is weak against? Besides thermal detonators and Ewings from Pomaz being one of the big things that kept it pushed out of the meta, what are some of the things that you feel give this one real fits? I think the vulnerability of the Padawans. They only have some health, it's not a lot. When the Padawans die, that's a lot of their, a lot of the deck's consistent black shots. Because of Makachi training and Viper Knife to a very minor extent, they have a lot of modifiers side. They have a lot of modified sides. Even lightsabers have modified sides. Ray's got those modified sides. Ray's got those modified sides. There's a lot of modified sides to the deck. And so if you can get rid of how they produce black sides, then the deck becomes very weak to not being able to push out the damage to the roll. Okay. And going back to target selection, a lot of people try and kill Ray first. I don't agree with this at all. You think they should go for the Padawans they first? They should go for the Padawans first because, as Brian said, that's where the black damage is. Right. That's where the consistent damage is. That's where you're actually dying. That's who you're actually dying to. We should kind of, you know, look at, hey, this Padawan has got a weapon on them. It's turn one. Well, maybe I should try my absolute hardest to kill this Padawan now before it replaces this Vibro Knife with something that is going to redeploy over to Ray. And I, I, what I found is in most matchups... Um, there isn't a whole lot of lists anymore that are playing very heavy control and are trying to kill opponents. Um, you know, Emo Timo gets close. Fun um, card does that. Fun card. Some your fun card does. A well, I mean, my fun card is the objectively correct one. Right, but a lot of Uncar, a lot of Uncar <laughs> FN decks are just jack are just jack full of upgrades. You know, put in a traitor and like a, he doesn't like you, and then call it good. That's a lot. Of, so. I think, I, I do agree, your list is amazing. That's because I don't play one quarter portion, pro tip. One quarter portion is amazing. No, it is not. It is a bad card in that deck. What do you mean it's a bad card? In that this deck? is totally tangential, but I do not, the last thing I want to do is be giving my opponent resources when one of the biggest things I'm trying to do is control those resources. Yeah, but you, they're going to play their own cards, then you give them a resource, and then you remove that resource. Like I disagree. But uh, that's neither here nor there. I guess I played one quarter portion with salvage stands and um, infamous, so I can infamous the one quarter quarter portion, then roll in Uncar. Okay. Well, and remove that dollar. Then you're starting in to get into wombo combos, and that's well, not really a wombo combo. Uncar Death Trooper Trooper list is a wombo combo. Yeah, list. I don't like uh, I don't like decks like that, but. That's uh, super beside the point. I guess ultimately what we can say then is that Pat, uh, Younglings is a cool deck and yeah. you should play it, especially now that Poe is nowhere near as prevalent because of the Fast Hands nerf. And even when Poe comes, you can pretty much always, unless Poe hit and runs into a pair of specials, you will always have the opportunity to control at least one of yep. Poe's dice. Yep. So, you know, that's a fact. You can't argue with facts. There's, you know, uh, there are definitely ways that you can make sure that you will not lose a character on turn one anymore, like it was really easy to do before. Yep. So, you know, there's almost no reason you shouldn't play this. I very rarely lose a Padawan turn one. Right. I mean, with in the in the in the dark early days of Spirit of Rebellion, hey, look, I thermal detonated and then played a Falcon with Poe, and congratulations, you lost a Padawan, and you have six health missing and only what's that? Uh, seven health left on Ray and four health left on a Padawan. So you've lost a character and only have eleven health left total in, in your deck. Like that doesn't happen anymore. Usually, not, it not can a lot. still happen. If you have like a two character deck, right. but that's different. But it's not going to. Like you're not going to get into situations where you've lost the game on turn one anymore. Like you, unfortunately, uh, I'm not going to say easily could have, but is not uncommon for that to have happened in the previous iteration of Pomas. Okay. So, that
That being said, you know, when we've got the biggest obstacle to this deck holding it back gone, and we've got all this cool stuff that we talked about, give it a shot. If you want to steal uh, Rand's deck list, then uh, I'm sure he would be fine with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll post it on uh, Stars of Sanity B. I'll actually make it public. It'll be the first time I've made a list public. Cool. It'll be the first time a Younglings uh, will be like ever posted on there in almost the entirety of Spirit of Rebellion. Actually, that's actually like hopefully popular. Hopefully popular. I did when I went to Stars of Sanity B to pull up my list. There, you know, they have the most recent deck list. The very first one was a Younglings list. I didn't look at it, but it was the very first one. But I it, thought that was funny. In terms of like having any of that of that any like recognition though. Yeah, no recognition. Yeah. Yeah. So and once again, I do want to thank Eric Wainwright. I know I said that once. He's awesome. He's why he's why I know about that Younglings is a thing. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be playing it right now. And I just want to give a big shout out to him. Nice. So then we'll go ahead and wrap up the episode. Um, sometime here in the next uh, few weeks, we should be seeing a uh, another preview for Empire at War, and it should be yellow, correct? Uh, it should be blue. Follows. Red, blue, I do yellow. not remember the order it's that red, they blue, did. It's okay. Red, so then we'll see blue. Hopefully we'll finally see exactly what Ahsoka does in total, besides just having uh, the very top die face being a two melee and then having... Her, the last three going, one shield, one resource blank. We know that much about her. Um, so I the real really question is... Hope she's 16, not 17. Yeah. People online are saying she's going to be 17. I really hope she's not because then she's just a Qui-Gon Jinn. Right. At um, 16, she offers something unique, which is, you know, she's up there with Chirrut and the ability to play... With those 14 With those 14 corners, yeah. characters. Um, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, I'm interested to see what her second and third sides are and what her ability is and how much health she has and her points. Hopefully we'll find that out about Ahsoka. Um, I think maybe... my dreams of a 14-point Ahsoka are gone uh, to be able to play Ahsoka pad one, pad one. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get a 14-point elite character that has the very, very top side of their die being two melee. I don't think that's going to happen. It's just their only damage side. Only, it could be, but it's but not. But that's just... Then she, but she, she uses two lightsabers. She's going to have at least two two melee sides. Yeah. Maybe we'll also finally see what kind of uh, blue villains we're getting, since we have had no word whatsoever about what kind of blue villains we're getting. You know, if we're getting the Grand Inquisitor, if we're getting... Maul. Dark Maul, that'd be cool, but we'll see. It's got to be the Grand I mean, it's got to be the Grand Inquisitor. I think it's how it's centered around Rebels. Yeah, I saw one guy talking on uh, the Facebook groups how uh, he doesn't think Maul's gonna come out this set because it's a, it's another big name character that he expects to be in the box. Well, if Maul's gonna come out for Empire at War, I think he'll be a yellow character because in Imperial Assault he comes out on this coming villainy section. I would so love that to happen. We'll see. It'll uh, be interesting for what happens, but um, a lot of exciting stuff coming along for Destiny, and uh, we will definitely be there playing it and um, hopefully recording more often than what we have. Anything else, guys? I don't think so. Party hard. Have a uh, Emperor-blessed day. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely, guys. Enjoy your day. And um, remember the tragedy of Darth Plagueis. Bye. Bye.